Thank you for joining us on the Crossroads Church podcast. We are so excited to have you as part of our family. We're a community where people are welcomed home, built up, and sent out. Our prayer is for you to find meaningful relationship and belonging with both God and His people. We'd love to connect with you. Download the Crossroads Church app, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or simply send us an email at info at mycrossroads.co. We pray that as you hear this message, you encounter Jesus and all that he has in store for you. Good morning, everybody. And let's give the praise band another thanks for all they do. Thanks, you guys. And, and happy 4th of July. I know there's a ton of uh, people that we have in our church that are traveling at this time, so welcome to you, and welcome to all those who are watching uh, online around the country and around the world, and I just, I am so thankful to live in a country that we can worship God in freedom and in, uh, in truth. Uh, if you've ever been to a country where you can't do that, you realize how incredibly, incredibly, incredibly blessed we are. I've been in countries where they said that if I, I, as I preached, that if anybody came to faith in Christ, I would be arrested because there's no freedom of, uh, of religion. There's no freedom of speech in those countries. So, and also, thank you, God, so much for the freedom that we have in our Lord and Savior, in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You know, um, go ahead and show those, the picture up there. How many of you, when you take a look at that, how many of you see a rabbit? Raise your hand. How many of you see a duck? Raise your hand. How many of you see both? Raise your hand. Isn't that wild? Now, here's a little bit harder one, okay? Do this one. Go ahead and show that. How many of you see an old woman? Raise your hand. How many of you see a young lady? Raise your hand. How many of you can see both? All right, we'll, see, we'll show you both of those. Isn't this funny that, uh, all right, the, the old woman is right, the, if you look at it, that's one eye, that's the other eye, that's her nose, that's her chin right there. Okay, so she's looking down like this, okay? To see the, uh, the young lady, she's looking this way, and that is an eyelash right there. That is her nose, that is her ear, that's her chin, that's her hair all there. She's looking that way. How many of you now can see it that couldn't see it before? Several people. But isn't this wild that we can look at the exact same thing? One person was telling me, one couple that said, when they saw the duck and the rabbit, one person immediately said duck, the other person said rabbit, when it's what you see. It's amazing. Two people can see the exact same thing, but they see completely, totally different things. And that's exactly what happens with our story today. You have Jesus seeing a man one way, and you have the Pharisees seeing a man the other way. And all that was happening, they're seeing it completely, absolutely differently. Now, we've been talking about uh, miracles this whole summer, and something that we've seen as we've looked at miracles is it's not only just the story, but there's all these stories happening around the story, and maybe no more than this, uh, what's happening in this story right here. The, the person, the man that is, is involved in this miracle, we don't know his name. We don't, he never says one word in this whole story. He is kind of the lightning rod between two forces, good and evil, that are taking place here and two different narratives that are taking place at the same time. All we know about this guy is his problem. That's the only thing we know. And look, uh, if we're going to take a look at Mark chapter 3. Here's what it says. Another time he, Jesus, went in the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. 
Notice he is called a man with a shriveled hand, not the shriveled-handed man. And you're going, what's the difference? It's the difference between his identity being in his sickness or his identity being in something completely different. So uh, I want you to hear that, that we all have circumstances, right? We all have things that we, that we deal with, but our circumstance and our issue is not our identity, okay? Whatever you're going through. In other words, your, your sickness, I know some people in here that you're, you're, you're battling a disease, you're battling uh, something like that. That sickness is not your identity, okay? A stronghold that's in your life right now, that's not your I- identity, an addiction that you may have, that's not your identity. If you're divorced, that's not your identity. If you're single, that's not your identity, whatever it is. If you are barren, that is not your identity. And I really feel strongly that I'm supposed to say this, that I know there's some lady that's hearing my voice right now, and maybe in here, maybe online and things, that your identity has been caught up in, in the fact that you have not been able to have a, a child, something completely outside of your control. And I want you to know your identity, you, that does not define you. What def- find you and what your identity is is you are a precious child a precious daughter of the lord and savior jesus christ that's your identity and nothing else and something amen amen and we have we all have issues and circumstances right but but sometimes uh, the circumstances maybe sometimes make us think that God doesn't love us as much. Or where is God in this whole situation? Is there anything in this world that can separate us from the love of God? That's a real question. That's especially a question we have when we're struggling with things in our, in our life. But I want to read Romans chapter 8. It's uh, just a portion there. It is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Sometime I want to do a whole series on, on that because it's amazing to me. But, but in this, God gives a list of things that will not separate you from uh, from Jesus they will not separate you from that and here's the the list that God gives and he first starts out with a question and he asks this he says who shall separate us from the love of of Christ and then he gives this list shall trouble or hardship I mean that is something that every single one of us can relate to right we all have struggles we all have hardships and he says no that is not going to separate us from the love of God and then he also said then he goes on and says or persecution it's having people say bad things about you people uh, giving you a hard time because of your faith anything like that or famine or nakedness not having enough of something or danger or sword then skip down to verse 38 for I am convinced Paul says not I have an idea not maybe not anything I am convinced of these things that neither death nor life and I'm really glad about that because we're going to face both of those things neither the angels nor demons the unseen forces that come against you that come against your family that come against the the, the body of Christ that come against this nation that uh, nor the the present that's what you're dealing with right now nor the future that's what you're worried about right now nor any powers did you hear that word any powers will separate or neither height nor depth and it and if that's not enough nor anything else in all creation okay nothing else will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord I don't care who comes amen I don't care who comes against you amen I don't care what comes against you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what's been done to you. Nothing's going to separate you from the love of Christ. 
And something else, the, the, the name of Jesus is above any circumstance you will ever face. The name of Jesus is above poverty, it's above, it's above addiction, it's above any, any, any problem, any sickness that you're going with. It says at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he talks about, uh, in Luke, it says that it's the man's right hand. Why is that important? Why is it important that it's the, the right hand? Because first of all, most people are right hand, the vast majorities. So that means probably he was unable to work because of his shriveled hand. The second thing it is, that's the hand of blessing. That's where you, the hand that they would bless their children with. And what it's saying is he could not be a blessing until he had a blessing from, from Jesus. And going on, it says, some of them, talking about the Pharisees, were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. I want you to think about this. Their whole purpose for going there that day was to find something to, to put Jesus down for, find something to accuse him of. Jesus Christ was perfect. He never made a mistake, but they, were so, they hated this guy so much they were trying to find anything to, to, to go against him. And you know, that's something we've said before in this series, that we will find in life what we're looking for. No matter what you're looking for in life, if you are looking for a reason to hate somebody, you're going to find that reason. If you look for a reason to love somebody, you're going to find that reason. If you look for a reason to be happy, you're going to find a reason. If you look for a reason to be sad, you're going to find a reason. If you look for a reason to be disappointed, you're going to find that. If you're going to look for a reason to be grateful, you're going to find that. If you look for a reason to be angry at your spouse or, or disappointed in your parents or anything like that, you're going to find it. If you look for a reason to, be, to love your spouse and to, 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 be, to be thankful for your parents, you're going to find that as well. Whatever you're looking for in life is what you're going to, to, to find. And it's called this. It's, it's called confirmation bias. And what that is, is have, have you ever seen somebody that no matter what you say, even though you, you have a ton of evidence in one way, they're never going to believe it? Because they are already convinced, they've already decided, they've already made up their mind, and they will never change from that mind. Amen? I mean, you think about that, you can have this, this overwhelming mountain of evidence against what they're thinking, but they so hold to this bias that they're never going to be moved from that, from that bias. And a thing there, too, is these guys were looking for something wrong, even in Jesus Christ. I remember one time that one of the neatest things that our church ever did was be part of something. This is probably 20 years ago, and it was something with 20 or 30 other churches. This organization came in, brought us all together. It was amazing, and it was just a day of blessing for the community. I love this. And what we did is, is people would come in, and most of these people were really struggling and hurting with things, and we gave them, if they needed, we fed them, first of all. Then we gave them food. Everybody came back with, with just with sacks full of groceries of, of food. They came back. If they had babies, they had all this, these big things of diapers that they took place. We, uh, when somebody was struggling, we prayed for them and gathered around and prayed for people who were struggling. We gave them words of encouragement. I was one of the people speaking there, and I can't tell you how the people came up and were, talked about how they were blown away with how cool everything was and how they felt loved. And there was a, there was a, a station, a, a, a TV station that, that was there uh, that day filming things. And I thought, I want to see how they pro, pro, portray this. So what they did is, um, is I, I looked at it and here's what the whole thing was. Their whole thing of that, of that service was this. They interviewed one lady who said this, was crying and they said, she said, uh, my child needed to go to the bathroom and they wouldn't let my child to go to the bathroom so they soiled themselves. The end. That's the whole story. 
And I thought, oh my goodness, here it is. They came in with absolutely one narrative to prove, one thing, one bias that they had, and it seemed to me is that Christians were jerks and Christians were mean and churches were mean and they wouldn't even let somebody go to the bathroom. That was the message we had. They couldn't even see all the good that was going on because they had to do their narrative and nothing else. And I think that we just see that sometimes we have this confirmational bias that, that I hope we're aware of some of those things that no matter what the evidence is that, we, that sometimes we hold to those, to those things. And I thought that one lady, I don't know what the lady was going through, but I bet you she had a confirmational bias too. I bet she was so intent on seeing something bad that day that that's what she saw. She was gonna see what she was looking for. The Bible says this. The Bible says, as a person thinks so they are. Did you hear that? As a person thinks, as we're thinking, that's how we're going to become and what we're going to see in life. In other words, if you go to a party, if you go to, ch to, to a church, if you go to, to a school or anything and you are convinced that, somebody, that you're not going to have a good time or that people are not going to like you, I guarantee you, you're going to find a reason to not have a good time and I'm going to guarantee you that there's going to find a reason that, hey, people don't like me. In fact, you may go out of your way to be unlikable so that it will confirm what you've, already, what you've already thought. You know, I love people. If anybody knows me, I love people. I truly, truly, truly love people. And I feel when I meet somebody, I'm gonna like them and they're gonna like me. And rarely am I disappointed. Occasionally I've seen somebody that I didn't like and I'm sure there's people that didn't like me either. But if you go in with a bias that people are gonna like you, they probably will. If you go in with a bias that they're not gonna like you, they probably won't. We get in life what we are looking for. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And I thought about this was incredible, that their whole thing, they just wanted a litmus test. Would Jesus heal on the Sabbath? They didn't come to see whether what he was doing was true. They didn't come to hear a message. They didn't come to see whether people were healed or not, whether he was the Messiah or not. They just came, is he going to heal on the Sabbath or not? That was their entire litmus test. I remember one time uh, preaching and there was a guy in the, this is probably 10, 12 years ago, a guy in the front row, he was dressed in a three-piece suit, so I knew he was a visitor, <laughs> you know, and I'm looking down at this and he had this smirk on his face, it was the weirdest look on his face, and I thought, you know, what is, what's he doing? And it was until after the service, I didn't see this, but there were people that said he was outside yelling, there is a false prophet in this house, and it was for one reason, because I wasn't using the version, the translation of the Bible that this person thought was the only translation. So it was just this litmus test. Would I do this or would I not? I was either a false prophet or not based on his confirmational bias about, uh, about that. And let me ask you this question. Did Jesus know that it was the Sabbath that day? Absolutely. So why did he not? Here's the question. Why did he not heal on a different day? Why did he not just say, okay, look, I know you're sick today. I know you got a withered hand. Can you come back Tuesday and I'll heal you there and nobody will get upset when, you, when we do that? Or why didn't he take the guy behind the, the, the synagogue and heal him there? Why did he do it in front of everybody knowing very well that he was gonna hack off a whole group of people? I think it was because Jesus absolutely wanted to pick a fight. 
He did this many times in the, in the Bible. In fact, I, I, love, I love Braveheart. It's one of my favorite movies. And you remember the scene in the, before the Battle of Sterling? And, and you had the British, a couple of representatives from the Brits, a couple of representatives from the Scots. And then all of a sudden, William Wallace starts heading out there. And his friends say, what are you, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to go pick a fight, right? I mean, that's what he does. He wants to pick a fight there. And that's what Jesus is doing here. If your view of Jesus is simply a milk toast, Mr. Rogers, person, you never read the Gospels. Because I'm telling you, yeah, don't miss me. He was all love and all grace and all that. But man, he would, if there was something that would come against people and was hurting people and was destroying people, he absolutely went after that. And, and he was anything but politically correct. There was no political correctness in Jesus Christ. I mean, he would go after, if he saw sin, he went after it. He said to a woman that was caught in the act of adultery, don't do it anymore. There was a woman that was, had, said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have any husband. He said, I know that. And the man you're living with right now is not your husband. And he would dress that. He addressed a guy that was lame and said, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. He called people names. He called the Pharisees what they really were. He looked at the Pharisees and said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. He said, you're false, you're a, your uh, blind guides, your whitewashed tombs, your vi- a pit of vipers, your snakes. That's what he called them. He was not worried about that. What he was worried about is just standing for the, for the truth. That's what he was, was worried about. And I thought this, Jesus said to this man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Now, this man and his hand was really a teaching moment for, for Jesus. What he wanted to do is, is this. He wanted to, to, uh, to address three problems. He wanted to address the man's withered hand. He wanted to address the Pharisees' withered hearts. And he wanted to address the withered situation that, they, that the Pharisees believed in, their whole withered mindset and their whole world, uh, withered worldview at the, same, at the same time. And I think it took guts, didn't it? It took guts to stand up when Jesus said, stand up and, to, and uh, reach out your hand. That took a lot of courage. Because first of all, it takes courage to say, I've got a problem. And, that's, and let's admit, we all have issues that we deal with. We all have junk that we're going through. And it takes guts to say, you know what, I need healing. It takes guts to say, you know what, there's something going on in my, in my heart, in my spirit right now. I need help. There's something going on. I have a rotten attitude. I have a rotten outlook on life right now. I'm dealing with an addiction. I'm dealing with pornography. I'm dealing with whatever it is that you say. Whatever those things are that you're saying, I have an issue and I want to address that, that issue. I have an anger problem. I have, a, I have an eating problem. I have whatever it is that we're that you deal with but here's the thing that I, I, I love him too is he, man it takes guts to stand for what's right doesn't it I think more so than any time in my lifetime I think it's more difficult to take a stand for what is right because we live in a world right now that is saying right is wrong and wrong is right and it takes a lot of guts to say no 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 right is still right wrong is still wrong and the Bible is still the word of God amen and it says this, when Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill, but they remained silent. He answered a question they didn't ask with a question they did not dare answer. I mean, think about this. There was times that Jesus said, listen, 
Guys, don't you do this. If your, if your ox falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, you get them out, you take care of them, you heal them. Why would you not do that to a human being? Why is an, is an ox seriously more important than a human being? You've got the whole thing's messed up. And then he gets angry. Said so He looks around at them in anger and deeply distressed. I mean, Jesus is hacked off and he is, he is brokenhearted at their stubborn hearts. I mean, they've missed the whole forest for the tree. They don't even see this guy. They're just doing this litmus test, right? They missed the, the, what God is doing all around them. You know, the first youth group I ever had was in Okima, Oklahoma. I love these people. And it started out with two guys in the senior high. That's all it had. And God blessed this thing. And we, we ended up having more people probably going to our youth group than they had going to services on a Sunday. It exploded. It was big. And you saw that we had like one night, I still remember, there was like three rooms filled with, uh, filled with youth. And I don't even remember what we were celebrating, but there's punch and food and everything like this. And the kids were not acting wild in any way whatsoever I'm looking around and I took this moment to go God look what you've done I mean this is absolutely amazing what you've what you've done here and there's a lady that came up to me and she and she tapped me on the shoulder and said come with me so I come with her and she she points she goes look at that and there's one drop of punch one drop of punch on the carpet and I still remember her face and I still remember just thinking you got to be kidding me is that seriously what you see here? Is that seriously what you see? Look at this that's going on. Your church has prayed for things to happen in here. It's happening, and all you see is the punch. And I just want to say, are you kidding me? Do you really care more for carpet than you do for kids? You missed the whole point. You've missed what God is doing because sometimes we miss the forest for the trees. Anything that's more important with people is, is when we get things completely and totally out of, uh, out of whack. And the miracle is really uh, about Jesus exposing two things. First, he's exposing prejudice, isn't he? And what is prejudice? Prejudice is it's, it's what it says. It is when we prejudge people. Actually, it can be a positive thing or a negative thing, but it's when we prejudge people. Now, usually we associate that with, with, with color, with race, with gender, with uh, socioeconomic things, and, uh, and age. That's usually the ones, but none of those are being taken, uh, taken up here. Jesus is exposing a different prejudice in their, in their life. And don't, don't miss this. Observing something about a person is not being prejudiced. Observing that the person is a certain color, observing the person is young or old or rich or poor or anything like that, that is not being prejudiced. That's being perceptive. That's just noticing something. It's the second thought that makes us either prejudiced or not. It's when, okay, this person is this, therefore that person is that. When we go and jump to that conclusion, whatever it is, that is where we become prejudiced, and that is what Jesus is addressing right here. It's like one time I, I was hearing a, a few weeks ago that a, a, a man went up in from, from the south with a southern drawl, went up to the north. And he was there just, uh, just happened to be talking at a gas station or something. And it was, you know, completely benign situation, just, just talking to somebody. I think he was asking directions or getting, uh, pumping gas. And a lady comes up to him and starts screaming at him and starts cussing at him, calling him a bigot, a racist, a, a, you know, a, a, somebody, a hate-filled person and things like this. 
All he did was just simply open his mouth. But the person didn't see that what they were doing was the exact thing, the irony that that person was being bigoted and that person was being, you know, was whatever because, because that person was assuming this person was all this, assumed things about his, his, his political beliefs, believed things about his intelligence. That's what some of the things she was screaming at. And the thing is also she didn't realize that she was being the hate monger because this person was just talking in a, you know, in a voice. This person was screaming and cussing and she didn't even see the discrepancy of what she was talking about than the craziness of what she was talking about. But here's the thing. We can be, have you ever done this? Have you ever thought something about somebody that just you've already pre prejudged the person and it turns out to be completely wrong? I've done it all the time. We've all done that. Can we just admit that? We've, we have a tendency to prejudge people. I have prejudged people that I thought was this, and it was, the person was completely different the way I prejudged them. One time I was in a youth group, and a, and a punk rocker came in and started being part of the, the, the youth group. Now, from my, from my past and things, I had had a prejudgment of what that person must be, must be like. I prejudiced against that person. Well, it turns out, man, I started to, to hang around this person, started to love this kid, started to, I, in, in fact, got to lead this kid to Christ, which none of those things would have happened if I stood by my prejudice, if I, if I did not understand I, you know, that I have those. And can we just admit this? Can we just admit we all have prejudice in different things? We are. The, but here's the thing. It's to say, it's to recognize that. It's to go, God, wow, I'm, I'm prejudging this person. I'm prejudging this, this race. I'm prejudging this whatever it is. I'm prejudging this. And to be aware of that and then go, God, heal me from this. I don't want to prejudge anybody. I want everybody to be, you know, who, to look at them through your eyes, dear God. Another thing is a couple of thoughts about prejudice. Prejudice is learned, isn't it? Nobody comes out of the, uh, you know, out of the womb prejudice. Nobody does. It's something that we are trained to do or think. There was a, a time during segregation uh, several, several decades ago that there was a, a little white girl in, in school and a little black girl came and sat next to her. Well, she went home and told her mom, she said, she said a little black girl walk, sat next to me to, today. And she said, all these people were fighting and everything outside. And the mom, who was prejudiced, said, oh, honey, what did you do? What did you do when that happened? That little black girl sat next to you. She said, we just, we just held hands and prayed. And I wonder how many times that this world would be a better place, a better place if we stopped yelling at each other and we just started praying with each other and started believing in each other. Amen? Another thing is prejudice is when we, is when we become the judge instead of a witness. I mean, think of it. These guys could have witnessed all this. They were witnessing a healing for heaven's sakes. They were witnessing beauty, wonderful things happening, and they decided to be a judge instead of a witness. And we are called to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. We are called to, 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 to witness for his goodness, to witness his grace, to witness his love, to be proclaimers of that. And far too often we're judges instead of witnesses, and especially now in the, in the world. Another thing, not only prejudice, but there's perversion here, that he, that he addresses perversion. And it's not, a lot of times we immediately think of perversion as it has to do with sex. Now obviously that's one of the things. But perversion happens whenever we twist something that is not, that God intends for one thing that's not for, some, for something else. And an example of this would be, I was sitting there last night 
just uh, outside as I was preparing this message and going over it and stuff, and I saw our, our grill, our gas grill. And I thought, that is made for a purpose. It is designed for a purpose. And if I use that for any other purpose than what it was designed for, I pervert that. If I started to try to mow the lawn with that, if I tried to knock, you know, knock a nail with that or something like that, I would pervert what it was made for. And that's whenever we pervert something, that, a gift that God has given us. And sex is a big example of that. When we pervert that, there's so many ways that that, that is a gift from God intended for, intended for pleasure and procreation and bonding a, a, a biblical marriage together. That's what it was for. And if we do that for anything else, that's why we have STDs. That's why we have sex trafficking. That's why we have pornography. That's all that. We take this incredible gift of God and we twist it and we make it something that God had never intended it to be. And here's the, the thing that, that God intended the Sabbath to be a blessing for you and me. That's what God intended it. He made it as a gift because he, just like sleep is a gift, right? Sleep is a gift that God has given us that we can't go and go and go and go because we need that rest. And God's saying, just like you need that in a, in a night, you, we need that every week. We need a time where we, he's saying, it's a commandment. Thou shall not work, 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 work. You should work, 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 and you should rest after that. And he just makes two stipulations. He says, you put God first in that. You put God first. That's what you do that day. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then he says this, don't work in that. There's one day where your body needs a time where it recoups. You put God first and you do that. And he said, but, but friends, but what they've done is they made it a drudgery. They said, of, of, of those only two things God says, put God first and you, and you don't work. They gave 600 things, 600 little man-made laws that they made up. Like you could take 2,000 steps on the Sabbath, but I mean, 1999, but you couldn't take 2,000 because then that's work. You couldn't drag a stick on the Sabbath because a seed may fall in and you're farming. So in other words, it became a drudgery of, oh man, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do that? Can I do that? Can I do that? I do that? Instead of just don't work and put God first. You see how they twisted things. And Satan loves it when we twist things. God says this. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man and man for the Sabbath. Couldn't we say that about anything? Money was made for man and not man for money. Things were made for, for man and not man for, for things. Uh, then sex was made for man but not man for, for sex. When we twist it. And you know the word wicked? You know what it comes from? It comes from the word wicker, and it literally means to twist. And that's why wicked, wicker furniture is twisted. Wicker, you know, wicker basket is twisted. And when we twist anything that God has given us as a gift, including the Sabbath, then we, uh, then we blow it. And he said this, stretch out your hand. And he stretched out his hand when it was completely restored. I wonder something. I wonder if this man was tempted to stretch out his good hand. Just to say, you know what, I don't have a problem, I don't have a problem. You know, it's it, just the embarrassment of saying, I got a problem. But he didn't, he did that. And, and here's the thing, he stretched out his hand. When we stretch out our hand when we have a problem, God heals that. And you may have been given a bad hand. And there's people in life that have just been given, it seems like a bad hand. It's just a struggle. It seems like your whole life has been a struggle. And God's saying, stretch out, stretch out your hand and watch what I can do with, uh, with that. And also he says, that um, notice the sequence. I've said this several times in here. It's always 
Jesus saying, you do something. You take that step of faith and I will do something amazing. You take that step of faith and I will, I will do something. And then he says, then they said this too. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Here's how twisted their thinking became. They thought that murder was okay because he broke a little law, one of their own laws. In fact, they were ready to break one of the Ten Commandments, thou shall not kill, in order to, to justify their little man-made law. And, and that's how it can, it can twist us in things. But here's what I'd like us to do. Bobby's about to come out and do something really neat. But I'd like just to close, us to close our eyes. And first of all, and, and just as a sign of you and God, just stretch out your hand. And let that be, God, deal with my prejudice. Here's my prejudice. Here's my perversion. Here's my weakness. Here's my stuff. Here's my junk. Will you heal it? God, will you forgive me right now? Will you set me free? Will you deliver me? Will you change my mind where it needs to be changed? Will you change my attitude towards people where it needs to be changed and races where it needs to be changed and, and whatever prejudice I have? Change that, Lord God. Change it in my heart, Lord God. Change me. Change me, change me. Lord God, let me be. Let me see people the way you see people. Let me never miss the forest for the trees, Lord God. Set me free. In Jesus' name. Church, as we... Church, as we move into our uh, response time here in just a second, um, just thinking about Pastor Lowell's uh, sermon, and, and if it's true that what Pastor Lowell conveyed, that we, we will find what we're looking for, just thought to myself this morning, I, then I just want to be constantly looking for Jesus. I want to walk into every space and every realm, every, every challenge and every, every opportunity in life looking for Jesus so that I'll find him. You know, I did this uh, exercise with the staff a few weeks ago, and um, Pastor Lowell asked if I would do it with you guys. It's just sort of a, a, a visual represent, uh, representation, an illustrative way to hopefully just kind of seal uh, in our hearts and our minds some of the things that, uh, that Pastor Lowell shared this morning. And if you guys want to go ahead and throw, oh, it's up there, great. So I'm going to have you guys um, just do something for me real quick, okay? What, what I'm going to have you do is you're going to focus in on the, when it comes back up. <laughs> There you go. All right, you're going to focus on the, on the dots in the center of the image, kind of on the, the, the bridge of the nose there. And, uh, and I want you to focus in really hard, all right? Just focus in on those things and just, just linger there for about 30 seconds, okay? Just fo focus in. Try not to look to the left or the right. Just look right in the center of the image on those dots. I'll let you stare for a couple of, couple of seconds. Now, what I want you to do is just kind of look up, look up towards the light, or sometimes looking at the wall will help. And just, uh, just see. I'm always curious to see for how many people this works. If, if you look off to the side or look at a wall or something like that, if that image is still in your in your vision, if it's kind of burned into your into your vision, it works for works for most folks. It's funny. Some some folks will see it immediately, and some will some will be driving home in a little while and go, "Oh my goodness, I see it all of a sudden." 
I'm going to share this verse with you, actually this collection of verses from Colossians 1. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. And so, church, as we go into this response time, I just want to encourage you guys. In fact, I want to challenge you guys. I want you to respond to God in some, some tangible way. And as Pastor Lowell just kind of challenged you guys in prayer a minute ago, whatever that, whatever that withered hand situation is or that withered hand sin or struggle that you've, been, that you've been working through or dealing with for a long time, I want to, we, we give you this opportunity during the response time. The altar is going to be open. You're welcome to come up here and pray and just lay that thing at the altar um, and pray by yourself. But they'll, we'll have some prayer team folks up here as well who would love to pray with you um, and um, just help you move beyond that whatever that that situation is be be like the the man with the with the withered hand who made himself vulnerable enough so that he could receive his healing and that's what this uh this time and space is is afforded to you guys is the opportunity so um we're gonna we're gonna stand if you guys want to stand we're just gonna we're gonna respond to god in some tangible way no matter what it is respond to god in some tangible way today church Thanks again for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. Check back with us weekly to hear more messages. We hope you have a blessed day.